What is the most practical way the government can help get more affordable housing built? Here we talk about North Carolina real estate, business, and life. Today's Real Talk. I'm Justin Kazepis, 844-STUDIO-4. That's the number if you've got a question for the Q&A segment at the end of the show, 844-STUDIO-4. If you want this content sent directly to your device, text Get Real to 844-STUDIO-4. That's Get Real, R-E-A-L, to 844-STUDIO-4. And we'll make sure you get this uh, up to the minute as soon as it is released and we like doing that. We pro- we like providing community help, community resources, keeping you in the know, helping you stay aware of what's going on, because there are conversations happening. There are conversations happening across the state at different levels, um, at a state legislative level, at a county level, at a local, most micro down individual city, town, uh, village, incorporated area uh, level. And as we talk about consistently, education is a chain breaker. Part of education is knowing uh, processes and, and how things are done. How does business get done on a government level? And right now, a big question that I have no doubt you have likely heard or even maybe been part of the conversation of is affordable housing. It's a big buzzword, and, and that's good and bad. It's, it's good to bring awareness to a concept, but there's a point where talk can only get you so far and action becomes necessary. We're excited today because we're going to be joined by a county, uh, Chris Todd, with business, uh, who's the Business and Community Development Director in Henderson County, North Carolina, to talk about a particular affordable housing project and why Henderson County uh, is being uh, is getting involved and and how are they getting involved the number one question across the board for affordable housing is how do we pay for it because make no 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 ands ifs or buts about it it still costs as much to build affordable housing as it does any other private development. And what I mean by that is the standards, when we think about a municipality level, when we think about water and sewer, when we think about internet, when we think about the cost of materials, when we think about labor, It still costs the same to build a project that is to be used for affordable housing than it does any other private development. So how do you pay for it? Because at the end of the day, government money, the money that your local municipality, the state, the federal government, the money they spend comes from the taxpayers. And as a taxpaying private citizen... I am always interested in what is the government spending my money, your money, on. And there are certain things that, certain initiatives that I'm okay with them spending my money on, even if I myself or my family are not directly influenced or connected to the spending of those dollars. I don't expect the money to come from my wallet to their coffers and then right back to my wallet. It's just not the way it works. Um, I think there's ways that it gets made up um, culturally, um, business in the community, right? Economic development for a community as a whole is also good for the individual businesses because the more people that want to take part and participate in that community and spend their money in that community because of the decision-making that's happening by our leadership, directly influences the result for local small boutique businesses. So who's being a good steward? We've asked that question. And I'm going to up front commend Henderson County for what they have done. A good friend of mine has a saying, and I steal it all the time now, 
shooter shoot. And what he means by that, and what I accept it to be, is that those who are willing to step out in faith with an idea that they believe in, have the conviction of, and are willing to at least try, it's hard not to commend them. Now, we may not agree along the way of all the different processes and decisions that that come with that. There are always multiple uh, perspectives in a conversation, multiple outcomes. But at the end of the day, it's about taking a chance and shooting the shot that we believe will help our communities. And so, again, Chris Todd joins us, Business and Community Development Director in Henderson County, to talk about a particular affordable housing project going on in Henderson County. Stick around, 844-STUDIO-4. Text Get Real to 844-STUDIO-4 or give us a call if you've got a question for our Q&A segment or if you also would like to sign up to get this contact content directly to your device. Justin Gazepis coming right back. I need some real talk. Oh, I need some real talk. Give me some of that real talk. Today's Real Talk, Justin Kazepis, now joined by Mr. Chris Todd, the Business and Community Development Director in Henderson County, North Carolina. Chris, really appreciate you and your team joining us today. I'm very curious. I've, I've, one of our team members, John Wood, our Chief Engagement Officer, he lives in Hendersonville. He talks all the time that Hendersonville and Henderson County in particular has some really great food spots. I'm a big foodie. Uh, I like eating, right? That's just one of my pastimes, one of my hobbies. What's your favorite spot in Henderson County? I don't want to start a turf war, but if you're willing to say it, let's go ahead and put it on record. You know, obviously, like most of us, it depends on the day of the week. Uh, but I've got to say there's a great Thai restaurant called Boon Chu Thai, uh, where you can go get yourself a nice bowl of soup and a good bowl of noodles, uh, which is a great way to end the day sometimes. You like it spicy? Are you a oh, spicy yeah. guy? Absolutely. Oh yeah, it's got. Oh, I, I sweat a lot, man. I don't. I can't do the spicy too the, often. But I mean, that's half the purpose, you know. <laughs> is to, to go get a good and, sweat? Is that it? Yeah, it's half the fun, you know. <laughs> uh, it's the show well, with the uh, with the meal. That's right. That's right. Well, Chris, uh, as the business and community development director, that's a that's a pretty broad title. I imagine you get a lot of fun and exciting uh, projects and one offs, and also some long term vision and strategy uh, um, situations. But what we're here to talk about in particular today is the Apple Ridge uh, affordable housing development project. And I got to tell you, when, when when our team started looking at it, I, I was surprised in a positive way. I was shocked that it's it's actually a government a municipality wanting to spend dollars on the practical side of affordable housing, because you know more than most, a lot of people in the community. The big question is how do we pay for it? Because things still have to get paid for when we talk about development. So give me what you what your understanding what what it is from your perspective at the county level and we're going to get into the different relationships what is the apple ridge project and and your particular involvement as, as far as the county right so the apple ridge project first and foremost is being spearheaded uh, by the housing assistance corporation which is housed here in, in um, henderson county uh, their one of their primary functions is to make sure that they're actually building affordable housing uh, they're an entity that the county partners with when when we have a good relationship and a good opportunity to do that, right? Um, The the Apple Ridge project itself uh, came kind of into our world uh, because we had some money that had come down through the federal government. Uh, Many are familiar with the ARP dollars, uh, the American Rescue Plan. Uh, Some of that money uh, had not been allocated through the county commissioner's process. and some of that money could be used to do things like help nonprofits uh, and to do items like water and sewer infrastructure. So the county found an opportunity to partner with a, with a known entity here in Henderson County who does good work uh, to help bring that cost down and to help pay for part of that sewer infrastructure to that development. 
You're using them buzzwords right now, Chris. I, I can tell you make the big money there in Henderson County because you're using the, the words relationship and partner, and I like it. So let's talk about what the team looks like involved with this project. You mentioned the housing assistance organization, and then obviously Hendersonville being an incorporated municipality is involved to some level or some degree. So talk to me what the team dynamic is like for everybody. Yeah, the really great thing about this project at the end of the day, um, and I and I want to give a lot of credit to the housing assistance uh, group because they are they are the champions, they're the spearhead, um, and they're the ones that are making a lot of this happen. Um, the county's playing a, a role, but I, I want to say that their role is as important as anybody's, if not most important. With this project, though, so the county doesn't own um, any utilities right now. We don't own a sewer system. Uh, the city of Hendersonville does own the actual sewer system that would feed uh, this development. Through conversations and, and how this kind of organically came together as a good project that everybody wanted to support, uh, the county commissioners and the city council were able to both agree to jointly fund uh, the sewer line extension that's needed for this project. Uh, so eventually what we're going to have is actually a three-part agreement that's going to show how all three of these organizations are going to come together uh, and make sure that these folks have cost-effective infrastructure to feed the site, uh, which will bring down some of the cost and will ultimately bring down some of the cost to the actual applicants who are going to use and live in these spaces. Uh, so we're really excited for that, and everybody's been a good partner through, throughout so is it a funding perspective of, okay, housing assistance group has come and said, hey, we're, 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 here's our pro forma, here's what we're looking at, here's, here's our bids from, from everybody, uh, our, our RFPs, we need some dollars for sewer extension. Is, is that really kind of how the conversation started with you guys or, or kind of give me that? So the county uh, for months has been reaching out to the public at large about projects that they may be interested in having assistance and funding that would fall within the guidelines of those federal dollars. Uh, so that's, that conversation has been going on for a while now. Uh, putting that out to the world, what we got was some feedback, uh, and one of, the, one of the feedback came from the housing assistance. And they had this great project uh, that they wanted to bring to us and see if we could help assist. And, that, and it helped fill some gap to getting them uh, to reality because they're going to go out and they're going to they're going to borrow money as part of their business model, right? To help construct this uh, in a couple different phases because there's going to be some uh, multifamily housing and there's going to be some single family housing uh, in this project. Uh, obviously, they'll they'll run kind of the multifamily housing like you would a more typical apartment complex though at a lower affordable price. And then they'll actually their goal will be to sell um, the single-family housing off to folks at an affordable rate too, so that they can get more uh, more people in home ownership at an affordable rate here in Henderson County. Um, did that answer your question? It answered. You, you, <laughs> sir, you did perfect on that answer. By the way, everyone is. I there is a standing ovation ha ha uh, happening somewhere oh, right now. Oh, good. And, and and we're so <laughs> grateful for that. So uh, let let me ask you though. Um, you got some big players at the table right now. Uh, based on community feedback, based internal internal conversation as a staff, who else would you want to see involved, if anybody? Is that conversation coming? Like, hey, we've got some great players here. Is there any other level that you would like to see? And there doesn't have to be, but just wondering if that conversation is happening at all for future. Uh, probably not at this stage for this project. Uh, a lot of these projects are going to be case by case. We've partnered on smaller projects previously with housing assistance and typically do offer them um, some amount of annual nonprofit funding. But I don't know that we've got another partner directly coming into the conversation right now. Now, you mentioned the, the potential of future projects. So that leads to the question, okay, is there a, you know, is there a quantifiable criteria that took place here? What was it that made Apple Ridge special and at least a, a good launch pad or starting point to really start thinking and practically utilizing affordable housing. You know, I, I like to believe sometimes in fate. Um, and what, what happened in this particular instance uh, is that we had a pot of money that had a lot of restrictions on it about how we could spend it. 
uh, and we had a project come forward that met almost every one of those criteria perfectly. Uh, and it was able to be spent down. The, the county commissioners as well for a long time um, have been talking about affordable housing. I mean, you've mentioned it. A lot of places are talking about affordable housing. That's obviously a conversation going on. Uh, we're a great place to live here in Henderson County. I'd actually go to say that we're the greatest place to live. Um, in the greatest Calm down country. now. Calm down now, Chris. We don't want to get everybody all riled up right now. Come on now. Well, you know, North Carolinians got some pride when it comes to where they live. Well, I understand, um, you know, and I'm glad for it, but so do we, uh, you know, <laughs> but this is the, this is the greatest place to live. And because of that, we have a lot of people that want to come here. Um, and, uh, and that can have an impact on our housing market, right. And housing demand. Uh, we also know we need a well-rounded housing market for a well-rounded economy. And the commissioners are highly aware of that. And those are things that they're trying to make active steps towards doing something for. This project was a good way for them to figure out how to actually get something on the ground. Um, and it was just a little uh, serendipitous how all the pieces kind of came together. Uh, you, you, you bring up population change. And I, look, I'm a big fan of North Carolina. I wasn't born here, but I grew up here. This is home for me. I'm not leaving until y'all kick me out, basically, right? Uh, the population shift that occurred as part of COVID, I don't think anybody anticipated. Already, we didn't anticipate COVID, clearly. But the population shift, I don't know how many people had that on their bingo card when they started analyzing COVID and trying to project for future, even toward the end of 2020, early 2021, I mean, as these housing numbers started coming, the demand versus the supply, I, I talk about uh, the economics of the market a lot of time. It, it boils down to something very simple of supply and demand. You guys know that on every level, micro and macro, wages and spending, right? When we talk about jobs, that's what matters at the end of the day. So from population increase, uh, the population perspective, how how big is the need for affordable housing with the population changes that are coming into Henderson County? Like the rest of the world, um, we've seen an increase in our housing values uh, through COVID, which to your point, uh, three years ago now, uh, nobody would have seen this coming in the way that I think that it has. Uh, and it, I mean, there, there was a period in time right at the beginning of COVID uh, where housing values went down uh, because realtors couldn't meet with people and all sorts of other things going on and just general market fear. Uh, people weren't making those investments. And then we started to see this shift and both anecdotally and a little bit um, quantitatively, we, we can see that people have moved to this community because of uh, one, uh, we, we border between that urban rural lifestyle, right? Um, and that's kind of a quality of life that a lot of people want. Two, um, we are housed in a way that a lot of people could remote work uh, and move to an area that's a little bit slower and a little less dense, which during a pandemic was something people desired. What that's done uh, to a lot of places is that it's increased that price again, uh, which is before the pandemic, we had an affordable housing um, issue that needed to be dealt with. The pandemic didn't create that. Uh, I do think at times it probably made it a little bit worse is, is the reality of the situation. Um, so there's not really a time more pressing than today uh, to kind of do something that's actually real and tangible. We've seen the cost of living go up. We've all, we're all living through inflation. Uh, it, it just needs to be recognized that those that are in the middle class and down, frankly, are getting impacted the most by that inflation today. Uh, there's a lot of people who do a lot of things in this county um, who need affordable housing. Uh, and I think that that's part of the story, too, is affordable housing is for a lot of people. Uh, affordable housing helps our teachers. Uh, affordable housing helps our firefighters and our police. It helps people working in the service industries. All of these things which are a part of a safe, uh, thriving economy. Um, and so... Yeah, we've seen it get a little bit worse since the pandemic, but I think that's just because inflation's hit everybody hard uh, and hit everybody relatively equally, especially, again, the middle class and everybody down. So, 
There's two things, Chris, that I, had I had a crystal ball, uh, um, which I already would have been well off if I had a crystal ball, by the way. But if I had a crystal ball, at least for this particular season of life we are all in, I would have bought two things. I would have bought probably almost any piece of real estate I could have in 2019 because across the board in the state, pretty much the value's up, right? So I think we can mm-hmm. generally agree on that. Number two, I'd buy all the chickens I could right now with the cost of eggs going the way they are. And I know you've seen the memes out there, but it's real. And, you know, I love me some eggs. So uh, those are two things I think I missed the ball on. But um, you're, you're t- we all agree that affordable housing is needed. Across the board. I I have yet to hear a viable argument to say that more affordable housing is isn't needed. But let's let's get down to the nitty gritty of it. How do you define affordable? And that's a big part of the conversation, too, which, you know, there, there's a whole big conversation about about AMI, right? Uh, yeah. Area median, median income and how do you calculate it? What's a formula? You know, let, let, let's get into some of that. Is that conversation, was that important to you guys in analyzing this project? Okay, when we say affordable housing, housing assistance group, what's your, which demographic, which category? Because, you know, my wife's a kindergarten teacher, right? So workforce Mm -hmm. housing is very different than let's say 30% AMI. Those are two different things too. How did you guys look at it, if at all, and analyze it in the equation? You know, the, the reality of that question uh, is that we have a trusted partner who they know more about the clients they're serving than we do, because that's who they deal with every single day, right? Uh, and they are able to continually evaluate what that means in a changing economy. Uh, our, as our housing prices go up and down, as mortgage rates fluctuate, I think that that's unfortunately or fortunately a moving target about what affordable really means and who you're serving. Um, the good is, is that day to day, these folks over there at housing, that the housing assistance, um, or excuse me, the housing authority um, are being able to kind of calculate that and figure out that that's an important aspect of this. And I said it from the beginning, we had a known partner who has some success, uh, and we wanted to enhance them instead of trying to reinvent the wheel. Right. Uh, they, they have put folks, uh, in ranging economic needs in housing, uh, and have helped people get, into stable, safe places to live. Uh, And we've been able to see that throughout the community. In both developments that are similar to this, they have another one that's roughly the same scale they did, I believe, about 10 years ago. Uh, But they also have single-family homes and other units dispersed throughout the county uh, that they help help to build, help to monitor, lease and rent at different times. So that the number, I think, is a hard one for me to answer. But that was where the trust came in with the partner that we know that they're looking out for the best community need and they've got a track record of doing that. It's important, um, and I don't, and I don't mean this in a snarky kind of way, but but staying in your lane, right? Like that's important when we th- analyze projects overall, right? Like I'm not going to call my 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 architect to figure out, okay, what's my you know current you know a uh, 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 cubic yard of concrete cost right now, right? Like that's just not how those two things work in a development project. So the county and you guys recognizing, okay, let's let our partners do what they do best. What are the tools and resources we as a, as a municipality can assist with? And, and, and so I appreciate that. Um, you talk a little bit about the number of units and, and this isn't a bad thing, right? There, there's a quality of life balance. You don't want to, you know, high density is a big conversation. High density sure. multifamily is a huge conversation right now. It falls into the affordable housing, yep. but Hey, from a, from a private investor development world, you know, multifamily is that bread and butter that everybody wants to go for. I think the two hottest, in my opinion right now, and you may you may think otherwise in your district, but multifamily and industrial right now seem to be the two main sectors from a commercial perspective that are hot. Um, 60 multifamily units. Um, any thought on could there be more? Should it be more? Or is 60 the number and we're kind of leaving it at that? What do you think on that? You know, so 60 is the number that they felt was appropriate for their funding model for this project. Uh, does 60 solve the affordable housing problem in Henderson County? No. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But if we don't take steps in the right direction, uh, then we're never going to get there. And this is a step in that direction, solving a piece of, piece of the problem. Uh, I was told by my grandfather once, a slice of pie is better than no pie. Uh, 
I'd agree with that. So, you know, at least we've got a slice of pie. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not going to solve the problem, uh, and we're not blind to that either. So we know we still have work to do. But what you're doing is creating a model, and I think that's the important part of the conversation. I, in my personal opinion, and it's easy for me to throw stones from the silent. I'm not an elected official. I don't work for the government. I am a private citizen in the state of North Carolina that loves my community and loves my state. Uh, but I think there's been enough talk, and we know we know what the options are to a reasonable degree of certainty. So for you guys to take, again, quantifiable action steps, uh, I, I'd be hard-pressed to believe that people should hate that. And so I commend you all for that. Um, now let's talk about kind of uh, uh, short-term, long-term. I'm thinking about it's a small community when we think about, you know, uh, working for local government. You've got probably friends across the state at all different levels, across all different municipalities. You guys talk, you've got conventions, you've got trade, you've got all kinds of events and, and, and ways of communicating with each other. Are you, are you guys on everybody's bingo card at this point or, or what's going on? Like, like what's the talk with other people and other districts and are they asking questions? Are they inquiring? Are there other projects that you know of in other places? Give us kind of a little insight if you could a little inside baseball. I really don't have a lot of insight to that. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing what we think is right here, um, and we're spending the dollars that we have. We know that other folks are trying to crack this nut in their own way, um, and I think every community has to do it the way that they think is best uh, with their local dollars and their local resources. So what, what then is the long-term vision? What do you think it is as far as for your community from the county perspective? Are you guys going to, you know, ARP dollars, you know, Let's be honest. Is the likelihood of the federal government to come wipe, write everybody a bunch of checks here again in the near future? Probably not, right? Like that's that's you know, there's pros and cons to that equation. At the end of the day, the tax citizen, right? The taxpayers paid for all of that stuff. It's not free. Now, I would make the argument: I'm going to get taxed. I'd rather spend it on things that actually add value and return, uh, right? And a return on investment. If I equate it to a private uh, sector type situation, spending on infrastructure is a big conversation. What's the long-term vision that you guys are kicking around as a county? You, you know, the commissioners are going to continue to look at affordable housing and appropriate partnerships uh, moving forward. We always want to do that. They're having conversations right now about, um, about how we interact with the city and our kind of water sewer service, trying to bring that conversation forward. Uh, because, again, the city's been a willing partner, and I want, you know, I want to say that again in a positive way. This is all good. Uh, but we know that working together will bring more light. Some of the other things that we're doing, though, that are just trying to help everybody in the community, uh, the county took on not too long ago uh, renovating our old VFW building um, and trying to do work there for our veteran population, trying to expand uh, veterans' programs and house it out of that as well bring that building back to a community uh, center that it kind of historically has been. It's got a 5,000 square foot dance floor meeting space uh, with the original hardwood floors in it. And uh, we're working right now to renovate that and bring that back and let that be a beacon of the community. Uh, as you kind of come in from the north part of the county on 25, it sits on the hillside and you see it coming into Hendersonville. Um, that's been a big thing that we're working towards and trying to help our veteran population and actually get them the services they need as quickly as possible and sustain that for them. Uh, we're also right now actively working on another project, uh, which we call the Acousta Trail. The Acousta Trail is going to be the longest rail trail greenway uh, in western North Carolina when it's complete. It'll be about 19 miles and run from downtown Hendersonville to downtown Brevard. It's going to cross two counties and have five governmental jurisdictions uh, in which it crosses through at some point or another. Uh, we're working on our side we in Henderson County because that's where we can legally. <laughs> uh, though, you know, we, we support our friends um, on heading towards Transylvania County and their endeavors as well where we can. Uh, but that project is going to be a, a greenway that connects all these places and communities and runs through all sort of spectrum of housing and income and connects to all sorts of community assets, things from grocery stores to churches to community centers. Uh, so we see that as a massive project 
um, to help our citizens for their health, uh, for a quality of life. Uh, it's also an economic development driver that we've seen where folks are already looking to invest in certain types of businesses along that corridor and develop. Uh, and that brings with it another rising, if you will, uh, for folks that need those types of assets uh, and have safe places to walk. And uh, I like to tell people, and this is true, uh, I'm actually very selfish about this trail um, because my little girl is going to learn to ride a bicycle in a safe place on it, uh, and that is immeasurable, right? Uh, there are a lot of things that we can do in this community, uh, but I'm going to have a spot that I can take her down, uh, and she can learn to ride a bicycle in a safe place on a trail that has 20-foot in elevation gain between the two municipalities, uh, which in the mountains is about impossible. Um, and she's going to get to know her neighbors and friends there. Uh, and that, again, is a trail that goes through all sorts of different communities and incomes uh, and, and, frankly, geographies uh, within the two counties and three municipalities. <laughs> so... Amazing concept. Um, thinking, uh, hey, this is a positive for families, and I and I and I, uh, I have for my my personal side, I've got two young children, so I I know the feeling, and um, it, that that's an amazing perspective to keep when when we're going back and forth and we're having these discussions and all the different top types of walks of life and and all of that, how it comes into play. So uh, I, I certainly can appreciate that. L let me ask you this though, too, because one of the other the, the pieces where sewers are a part of it, right, and, and utilities are a part of it. Um, uh, broader than that, let's, let's talk about high-speed internet and broadband. Um, is, that, uh, is that all part of this equation when we think about growth for you guys, right? You're, you're in a bit more rural of a district. Let's not, let's not you know, cut two ways about it. It's hard to run wire and cable up a mountain. Let, let's talk about that, and, and, and how does that play into overarching kind of the vision for Henderson County? Yeah, I'm happy to talk about that a little bit. The, if you look at um, maps, of uh, broadband service, even cell service for that matter, of Henderson County. Uh, it's going to look at times a lot like the topographic maps of Henderson County um, because every holler and every hill uh, creates a physical barrier to getting those things to places. Um, Ten years ago, there were almost, there was basically two internet providers in Henderson County, uh, which also while those folks were good partners at that time, didn't create a lot of competition uh, for the consumer. Uh, now we have people moving into this market. Uh, the federal government has given some grants and had a thing called a reverse auction uh, a few years ago where the more money you paid got you the job instead of less because uh, there was a match ratio. So the more you gave in that, it lowered the match to the federal government. Um, but what we've seen because of that is that we now actually have a growing competition uh, in our market that is beginning to expand. Uh, and they're not expanding uh, anymore with copper wire of any kind, right? They're, they're putting fiber optic cable in the ground, uh, which is, I don't want to call it future proof, but it kind of is. Um, the cable itself is going to be able to be expanded in capacity as we're as those providers are able to increase the capacity of the endpoints that actually move the data. The wire is not going to be the limiting factor. Um, but we're getting massive runs into this county right now, and it's beginning to spider web out from the center where we've had it for a little bit longer. But folks who've not been in the region for a long time are coming in from where they have service provider from the edges. So we are seeing it in a couple directions. Now, Again, we've, we've got hollers and hills, and that is going to always be a challenge uh, for our geography. Um, and frankly, if it were me, I'd like to go somewhere and live by a house where there is no cell service and there is no internet because I've got enough of it during my day. You, you want to go to the place where no one can find That's you, right? right. Is, that, is that usually how That's it correct. goes for you? Yeah. But, <laughs> well, that being said, uh, it's growing, and that that is changing it's, it's becoming more of a necessity, I should say, about how we do business, about how our children are educated, about how public safety occurs. Um, and we're seeing that investment by these private firms, some of it with grant dollars through the, primarily the federal government. Um, but they're actively doing that. 
And I think we're having more conversations today with those providers and services than we've ever had. And they have such a desire to grow and into a market that maybe, again, 10 years ago was not as desirable, but is much more so today. What then was the process like? Because there's a public input, right? And, and you talked about that. Let's be honest. There probably were some people there that didn't want to spend the dollars on it, if I had to guess, uh, as there are always two sides to the coin. Um, what was that public conversation like? What were some of the for its and against its in, in the conversation, if you could share some of that with us? So from Henderson County's perspective, uh, we did participate in what was known as the GREAT grant, uh, which was money that came again through the federal government to the state of North Carolina and eventually was filtered down to us. Uh, our role in that process was to potentially give our ARP dollars uh, in support of an application by a private provider. So we would act as the government as part of the match. The state would act as part of the match. And then the amount of investment that the private company put in would fill the gap. And their, their investment was a very important part as it expanded how many points they got. We know that, uh, one, going back to what it, what's in our bilywick, we're not a broadband provider company. Uh, we know where there's broadband in this county, and we know where there's not broadband in this county. And we know that, frankly, most everybody wants it if they don't have it, right? So what our approach was through that process was to support every single application. Uh, our commissioners voted formally and publicly to put in a million dollars of their ARP dollars to match great grant applications. Um, and so then what we did is we communicated that to the state, and the state actually selected the winner of all the applications. So if, if a company came to us and wanted support, we gave it to them uh, because we do support them because um, we know that, again, generally speaking, we need more broadband. Uh, folks want it. They need it. It's changing our economy. Uh, and our approach was instead of picking a winner or a loser, was to support everybody because everybody was trying to do something that would help the citizens of Henderson County. It's an amazing concept when the state the state works together then with the local municipalities, and by local we'll go a little bit more micro to the county, but then you go even farther to the incorporated municipalities of cities. Uh, was there a, what was the hand-in-glove like with you and Hendersonville as part of this process? Where, where did they kind of step in with any of this? Due to the nature of the grant, they didn't play a role, uh, which isn't because they didn't want to necessarily. It sure. was just the funding source was tied to the counties. Um, and so it was up to us to either support or not support. The municipalities in this particular source had a challenge, too, because the, the, the grant funding went uh, to projects that were bringing up inadequate service or no service, right, and putting it into a new region. Most of the municipalities have service that, qualif that qualified as adequate, so it disqualified them. Uh, most of their jurisdictions from being a part of this particular funding source. So they just didn't really have a direct line uh, into this, this great grant process. Well, and there is a layer to it specifically for Apple Ridge, right? Like thinking through, okay, if that's the process, then they control their zoning at the level being incorporated, right? So that's all part of this equation as well. And that's where they can show their support, right, is by going through that rezoning process, which is what it's going to take, right, not just in your district in Henderson County, but if I think about all the other counties and all the other municipalities that are incorporated, in some way, shape, or form, again, we go back to, in not a negative way, but the stay in your lane, how can you help, there are ways everyone across the board. So, so, and let's wrap up then with, with okay, what do you envision and how, or how, what, what kind of advice would you have? Let's say there's some other um, thought leaders like yourself and, and the team that you work with in Henderson County uh, in other districts and they want to explore some options. What's some practical advice you would give them? You know, cause I, I, I live from the opinion shooters shoot, right? Like that's the way I like to think about it. I, I would rather take a shot and it be a little bit of a miss than never take the shot at all. That's just my personal opinion. Maybe some would tell you like my wife that I pulled the trigger too fast sometimes. Right. But Hey, I'm only human. What would you give as far as practical advice to other people in other districts exploring some of these concepts? I think one of the best pieces of advice I can give is find uh, 
local partners with a track record because you almost always have them uh, and try to stay in the in the lane that you can be the most effective in. Uh, unfortunately, I think sometimes everybody looks to the government to solve the problem, uh, but there are people who, believe it or not, know how to do things better than us sometimes uh, and trying to understand who, how we can have those relationships uh, with our local partners uh, who are actually dealing daily uh, with the folks that we're all trying to help, right? Um, is more impactful sometimes than trying to reinvent the wheel. Uh, and that has been effective here for us. And we're fortunate to have those partners. I said it at the beginning and I'll say it again. This, there's a reason why Chris Todd makes the big bucks and is a big honcho in Henderson <laughs> County because he uses the buzzwords like relationships and partner. And that is key to the job and you get it. So I appreciate that. I'm so grateful for your time, for your team's time, for everybody in Henderson County. I'm not a Henderson County knight. What would be, I don't know, a Henderson Countyan. I'm not, I don't live in Henderson County, obviously, but as a fellow North Carolinian, I only want to see uh, success for all of my neighbors and other communities across the board. So I hope only success, pray only success for you guys. So grateful for your time. Um, if there's anything we can do to assist in the future, please don't hesitate to reach out. Absolutely, Justin. I appreciate the opportunity to come and tell you our story. All right, today's Real Talk, Justin Kazepis, 844-STUDIO-4. That's the number for our Q&A session coming up next. Today's Real Talk, 844-STUDIO-4, Justin Kazepis. Thanks again, Chris Todd, Business and Community Development Director in Henderson County, to talk with us for talking with us about Apple Ridge a upcoming affordable housing project where the county was able to assist a, a local nonprofit as it relates to the cost for utilities as part of the development process. We've talked about utilities and water and sewer capacities and those issues that are occurring across the state. So to hear that there is an actual municipality within the state of North Carolina who is not only talking about it, but actually taking action to assist the community, the players in the community with providing an affordable housing option is uh, inspiring. And, and I, I hope uh, that that type of conversation will become the norm across the state uh, in unique ways. It's got here's the other piece of it too, um, which I, I wouldn't expect or put Chris on the spot for at Henderson County or Henderson County because it's not like we talked about staying in your lane. The management piece of this is so important. Uh, I have my own personal opinion as maybe many of you do or you may not have about who should be managing these types of things, who should manage projects. Again, we, talk, uh, we talked about staying in your lane and as painful to an ego as it might be, recognizing what the role of particular groups, organizations, and the government is, is a vital part of the conversation. There are just things that I have to admit in life I'm not good at and I shouldn't do it. And I wish that were true across the board when we talk, and it's not just government, but private companies too trying to do things they shouldn't be doing because they have no business to or it doesn't fit their model and it's about appeasement and all sorts and laundry lists of reasons. So understanding the ramification of having a bad manager involved, project manager, especially when we're talking about real estate and utilizing public dollars, your dollars, my dollars, management is a very, very important concept to uh, focus on as well, maybe for a future day. So now we're going to go to the Q&A session, 844-STUDIO-4. I told you that you had the opportunity to get your questions to us, 844-STUDIO-4. Uh, I've got some questions here. If you want to drop us a line for uh, next week's show, 844-STUDIO-4. Also, you can send us an email, info at todaysrealtalk.com. 
todaysrealtalk.com, info at todaysrealtalk.com. All right, so April in Marion has a question for us, which I love driving through Marion, by the way. Uh, why isn't there more affordable housing options? April, 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 April. April is asking a great question, one that many people are asking right now. Why aren't there more options? Well, like we talked about today, there, there's several levels to the equation. There's several things that have to take place. There's approvals that are required. But at the end of the day, it comes down to money. Because it's not any less expensive, I would argue it's almost more expensive, to build affordable housing. You still have the same type of sewer. You still have water. You still have electricity. You still use the same lumber, building materials. You've got labor. Now, there are partnerships in the community where out of the humbleness of hearts, there are a lot of great private organizations who donate their time, money, and resources to bettering and giving back to communities. But at the end of the day, I don't think to create a mindset, and this is, I'm going to probably get some backlash on this, right? When it's okay. My perspective is I don't think we need to rely on every other private company to take care of what in reality our taxpaying dollars should go toward. Because private companies are the ones who build out most of the economic infrastructure and, and development infrastructure in a community. It doesn't really come from the government, right? When you, when you see a big development project going on and there's road widening and there's all this other kind of stuff, a lot of the times the, the municipalities put those in infrastructure improvements onto the developer as part of the approval process. Hey, if you want you know, to put in that, that major development, you're going to have to add some turning lanes or you need to add a traffic light or you need to extend the water and sewer. Those are real actual costs. And so I think there's got to be a balance between, okay, some of it should be private, but I don't think all of it should be private. In fact, I, I'm of the belief that really when, when we pay tax, that those dollars should be invested back into the community. And they are. The debate is what are they being, quote unquote, invested back into? And that's where, as I've said before, as my, my grandpa taught me, vote early and vote often. Who you vote for in your leadership um, is very important because it has real ramifications. They do have power. And not all of them have power go to their head. I don't mean that in a negative way. But when you talk about making decision, they have the decision-making ability, the power to make the decision as it relates to what happens to your dollars. Now, there's tax incentive programs. There's grant funding. And again, there's the kindness and generosity of private citizens and private companies, all of which have to work together. But to answer April's question, why isn't there more affordable housing options because unfortunately, the way of the world is the almighty dollar. And money changes people. So, can get real deep real fast around here. All right, let's go to Rick in Wilson, North Carolina. Rick in Wilson, North Carolina. My neighbor isn't letting me use my driveway anymore. What are my options? Well, Rick, if it's your driveway, it's your driveway. Yeah, we think it's that simplistic of an answer, don't we? Uh, Rick, I don't know your situation. I don't, I don't know uh, what the lay of the land is, your property address. Um, I, I don't know any of that stuff. I don't live in Wilson. Um, my first advice would be, hey, call a local attorney in Wilson, in your area, and seek their advice. Um, but as far as it goes, if I think about driveways, um, Again, my transactional law firm that I've exited all the time, we get calls about driveways and, you know, there's shared driveways, there's driveways that encroach, there's uh, all different, you know, concepts. And a lot of it, I'm going to guess, probably comes down to an easement situation. And there are different kinds of easements in North Carolina. Basically, an easement is you don't own that property, but someone has in some way, shape or form given you permission 
to use their property for your benefit. And again, there are different kinds of easements. There are kinds of situations. Shout out to all my people that own landlocked property, meaning you have to cross over someone else's land in order to access a public right-of-way. Amazing how that situation even comes about. Uh, kind of mind-boggling sometimes, but um, I've seen it plenty of times. So uh, again, Rick, I, I would say call a, a local attorney within your marketplace um, and ask some questions. And um, there are certain options, whether it be litigation, but I always try to err on the side of have a conversation. Uh, do you have a relationship with your neighbor, right? Uh, did you ever have a relationship? Did that relationship go sour at any point, Rick? Those are the type of questions I would probably start with. Can you work it out with your neighbor? You know, hey, I appreciate you calling us and, and asking my opinion about it, but my opinion plus a dollar seven just gets you a cup of coffee, surprisingly still. But a lot of this comes down to relationship and maintaining a relationship with your neighbor. Whoo! Did I just hit a nerve? I may have just hit a soft spot for you. It's important, though. Because like in Rick's case, right, where he's using, and I'm, make, I'm completely speculating at this point. This is just in hypothetical land right now. Well, if Rick was using his neighbor's property in order to access his. And now at this point, Rick's neighbor isn't going to let him use his property, the neighbor's property, in order to access his own land, Rick's land. Well, Rick could be in a world of hurt if there isn't a written agreement. So, and here's the thing about real estate that's very important Handshake deals in real estate are not good. I get that people want the ease of a transaction. They assume an attorney is just going to complicate things and that it's easier just to get it done amongst each other. And that's true to an extent. There are attorneys out there that just like to complicate things. I know some of them. I've interacted and done business and been on the other side with some of them. But the vast majority genuinely want to help and inform and serve the public by informing them of their options. Because a lot of people don't understand what their options are. If I just start talking about easement and pertinent, easement and gross, easement by necessity, if I start saying all of these things and you don't know what it means, servant and dominant track, if you walk into a room with me and I start talking like that, which you already didn't understand because you're seeking legal advice anyway, it's not going to help you if I continue talking to you like that. But I find a lot, if most, if not all, I don't know, it can't be all, but most attorneys genuinely want to help. So at least seeking their advice. Now, here's where the other side of that, that equation comes into play. People want free legal advice. Now, as I say on the show, this is not legal advice. But, uh, you know, the show's free. So <laughs> my, my free advice to you, Rick, is call an attorney in your local marketplace and, and have a conversation with them. There's unlimited possibilities as it relates to um, your particular property and the driveway and, and whose rights are whose, if there's even an issue. Think also about having a survey done, right? Like a lot of factors that go into to your question, Rick, but I, I hope only the best for you. At the end of the day, I try to, uh, if I can, remember to bring uh, cookies um, to my neighbors at Christmas time um, and, and just let them know how thankful I am for them. So, all right, Joe in Charlotte. Oh, we're back in the Queen City. Joe in Charlotte, if you could pick one sector of real estate to invest in, what would it be? So Rick, Joe, excuse me, in Charlotte is asking me if there was one particular sector that I would identify to invest in at this point in time, what would it be? And I'm going to give a caveat here to Joe and to you. It depends on the market. 
And I always start with that part of the equation. What market do I want to be in? Because even if you get the perfect property, which in my opinion doesn't exist, now there are great properties, there are good properties, there are okay properties, there are bad properties, there are properties that are bad now that could be good or great later. But really what matters is the market in which the property is in. And and by the market, I mean the geographic territory. Because when you think about real estate, you can't get caught in just the here and now. Now, buying at what the true value is today is important, but real estate is a bet on the future. You are betting that a particular market, a geographic territory, is going to continue to thrive or will thrive at some point in the future. Now, unless you're just trying to, you know, do tax loss harvesting uh, and buy, you know, anything that that's, you know, you can afford and that just matches the numbers based on advice of a CPA is a different conversation, obviously. Um, or if you're doing it out of the kindness of your heart for a loved one or a family situation or, some other type of ancillary business transaction, right? There, there are always exceptions to the rule. But generally speaking, you want to buy in a market that is going to continue to do well or do very well in the future. So I, I start with a market, and okay, let's go macro of North Carolina. There are very few markets in North Carolina that I don't like. I think you can find a property in any market in North Carolina that in the future... Uh, will be okay. Now, some things are going to happen and I'm going to be wrong in some way, shape, or form and someone's going to call me in 10 years and say, hey, I heard you and you said I could buy anywhere. And yeah, that's going to happen, unfortunately. But um, if if you analyze the market properly and you got to do it on a local level, you got to see what's going on at the planning department. Are there businesses? Are there jobs coming in? What's the budget look like for the county? What is the county investing your dollars, your property tax and sales tax dollars back into? And so if I'm thinking of a particular sector of real estate, okay, I start with location and then I think, okay, what's the best sector, the actual property use type multifamily, industrial, retail, hospitality. What's the best use type? In the short term and the midterm, I'll say kind of the not necessarily, it's not the forever term, but people are always going to want a place to live. And so as long as population continues to increase in North Carolina, we clearly have a housing shortage for residential properties. And so residential is the a safer bet. Now, I would say it's property specific because even though we have a housing shortage, if you buy at the Pico top of a market with, let's say, an adjustable rate mortgage or a mortgage that balloons and you then get underwater, then that can be an issue. The other side of it's management. If you've never bought a residential property before, never been a landlord before, you're going to need some help. And there are resources out there. There's um, courses. There's uh, online YouTube videos. Ask a friend. Phone a friend, right? Buy them some lunch and pick their brain. You can call property management companies. Managing a property is, is, in my opinion, really what makes or breaks investors. Because even if the numbers are perfect on paper... If it can't be managed properly, it will not succeed or it won't be as fun doing it because real estate is actually fun when you do it the right way, which is one of the reasons why I enjoy it. It's fun to be able to help people and provide good quality properties that the community likes or that your tenant likes and to be have, have a footprint in the community, actual dirt, physical location that you own. I sound like I'm pitching the American dream right now. Really is a good feeling. And this kind of circles back as we wrap up here uh, about affordable housing, about communities. 
there's a big conversation about affordable and not everyone wants to or will own a home ever. And that's where a lot of this conversation is driven from is people feel like they're not given an equal opportunity because they can't afford to purchase where they are. And I wish I had the answer and I wish I could sit down with if that's you and tell you that your worth is more than the possessions you've got. That your worth is more than the dollars in your bank account or that your worth is more than what other people say about you. Your worth is derived from something much greater than that. And so I hope um, and encourage you to continue on, fight the good fight, and uh, keep seeking for more in your life. And whatever that desire is of your heart, the steps can be ordered. So I hope that that encourages you that just because you may not have it today doesn't mean it's an impossibility for tomorrow. And if there is something we can do to help, we do enjoy helping our community to thrive. Justin Kazepis, Today's Real Talk, todaysrealtalk.com, 844-STUDIO-4. Remember, if you've got a Q&A session, give us a call, or excuse me, a, Q, a question that we can answer, a Q&A. Uh, we, we love to do what we can to help. 844-STUDIO-4. We'll see you next time. Yeah.